0: So, I want to talk to you today about being sent, the cost and the joy of mission, because I think the two do go hand in hand. Mission can be a joyful experience, but there is also a cost to doing mission as well. Before I do start, I would just like to pray, Uh, Lord, I just pray that the um, words that I speak, the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to your sight, Lord, and you would uh, speak through me today. Um, to the hearts that are here listening, and I thank you for them. Amen. Okay, so today is the day of Pentecost, actually, and it's coming from a background of Pentecostal churches for 17 years, amongst others. To me, like, every week's kind of the day of Pentecost. But it's worth mentioning that it was on this day that the disciples received the Holy Spirit in absolute power. And I want to talk about the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings to them. So if we just look at the next slide, have you ever done the five-fold ministry survey? Hands up if you have. Okay, you'll know if you've done that, there are five types of gifts that God gives to his church, which are apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. And I believe that in this room, it is absolutely full of them. I took this last year. And I've taken it again, and lo and behold, I'm an evangelist, which I kind of assumed, uh, but I'm also closely followed by a teacher. Now I don't know what you are, but I'll tell you something that I have been absolutely blessed with in this church in a minute. Before I do, I do want to just show you what Paul said in Ephesians, chapter four, verse 11 to 16. And God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly... (laughs) making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There are in this room, all of you, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and the last one? Pastors, correct. And I will say this, that there are people in this room who have spoken prophetically over my life and encouraged me to keep going in my work, Thank you. There are others who faithfully pastored me one-to-one through the highs and lows of the YFC ministry in the last 20 months or so. Thank you. There are intercessors in this room who have stood in the gap for me and also walked around the school with me around the gates, Ridgeway-Grundway Park, and the village, and those who've met to do the same for the High Youth Project. Others of you have generously opened your homes. And we've shared food together. People have put on a barbecue when we just moved house and it was at 10 o'clock at night and we were exhausted. Somebody's helped us collect a fridge. Thank you. There are administrative people in this room who have photocopied, printed, emailed, helped me advertise with posters, given me the projector for the work of Youth for Christ. Thank you. The giftings are immense. That's why we're never called to do ministry or mission by ourselves on our own. There have been times when I've literally felt, walking through that school, the prayers of people in this room who have told me they've been praying. I've felt them because it can be the loneliest place on earth sometimes. Thank you. And this church is generously funded, like Kim said, the work of the gospel, which I am forever grateful for. Thank you. So in August 2015, my interview for YSC was upstairs in this, room, in this building. And I remember saying to the panel, I am jealous for the young people of Warrington to know what it is to have a saviour in their lives and the gospel preached relevantly to them, because I was allowed to do that in Tanzania, as a teacher of modern foreign languages for six years, prior to that I was never allowed and that annoyed me really, I was in anguish for that. The work of Warranty Youth for Christ was my chance to get into the school and do what my heart desired, evangelism and teaching. For 20 months, by God's grace, this was granted to me Conversation after conversation, mentoring groups, leading lessons, Bible studies with various people in this village, lunchtime groups, assemblies to 1,300 young people and over 50 staff. But, as many of you know, um, sadly, the spirit of this present age, which I believe is secularism, has, at this time, muted me from being able to speak in Lynn High School And I know for other people in other work, that is the same for you as well. And I am disappointed and I am sad because I do believe that this may be a sign of what is to come as well. I don't want to preach doom and gloom, but it's persecution at its maybe lowest level at the moment. But it's also a wake-up call to the church to stand firm and strong in what it knows is the truth, to stand firm in the gospel and the hope that we have, which is Jesus Christ, and like Archbishop Justin Welby said, with thy kingdom come, the message this week, to intercede and rally together to pray for salvation for those who do not yet know Jesus in this world. So I would invite you to have a look at what you are, our on this fivefold ministry survey. There are other gifts as well, but these are the five gifts that God gives to his church to equip the saints. I'd invite you to do that because each of us is in Christian ministry. Christian ministry, what is it? We are each called to go out with the giftings and resources that we know to provide for those in need. Are you involved in Christian ministry then? Or maybe you think, oh, Jonathan is, because he's the pastor, the minister. Maybe Darren is as well. But I've got a job in the secular world. Maybe you might be thinking, I'm maybe a business analyst or a statistician. Don't know. But I also work in Sexton's in the bakery in the village, and I do see that role in Sexton's as being just as much Christian ministry as when I'm in school in YFC. The conversations that have gone on in that shop is... Beyond measure, I literally walk down the canal and ask the Lord to give me opportunities. And there has been amazing stories that have gone on with my colleagues and also with members of the public. Because it's when you're ready to be used by God that He will give you chances to be used. Jesus is the bread of life. Anyway, that's my uh, thing. So, if today you sit here knowing that you are a child of God, adopted into his family, born again into his family, and then you can cry, Abba Father, to him, you can stand firm and assured that no matter what scheme the enemy might bring against you, if he blocks something or stops you from saying anything, you are still eternally loved and it's worth doing. So I know that this last 20 months has been worth it. I don't think I regret one second of what I've done. I've completely enjoyed it. But let's look at some ordinary people in the Bible who were also asked to go on mission. Abraham, from Ur of the Chaldeans. God said, leave your country and go to the land that I will show you in Genesis. Chapter 12. Verse 1 to 4. Sorry, it's not on the slide. Pretty much what God was saying to Abraham was, get out of your familiar culture, the things that you find normal, go, get out of your safety zone, take a risk for me, and move a few miles west. What did Abram do? He got his wife, he got his dad, he got his nephew, he got his possessions, and he went. He did what God called him to do. He was sent and he chose to obey. Then look at Moses. For the first time, God meets him face to face at this point, the burning bush. If you've ever been to Egypt, they actually say, this is the burning bush in front of you. I've been, and I said, what, that bush there? They say, oh yeah, this is, this is the one that uh, God spoke to Moses at. I'm thinking, why isn't it fully consumed? If God's been burning it all that time. But um, yeah, it's right near the uh, Mount Sinai, they say. But it's at that point that Moses just fell down on his face in absolute awe and wonder of God's grandeur, mighty God. And God said to him straight after that, "Go to Pharaoh, and tell him that I am has sent you. I am Yahweh has sent you, Moses. He sends us to places." After a bit of hesitation, thinking he's not up to the task, Moses does eventually go. But it did take a little bit of persuasion from God, which it does with us, doesn't it, sometimes as well. Two more. Peter, in Luke chapter 5, after fishing all night long, catching nothing, Jesus says, Go out into the deep, lay down your net, you'll catch some fish. What? I've been doing it all night, Peter's talking about With some hesitation again, Peter, and a bit of banter later, does do what Jesus asked him to. And what's his reaction? When when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, Everyone's amazed, they're awestruck because God is is a God of abundance. All these fish that they caught, they were almost breaking the nets. And when they brought, and Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. That is complete surrender, leaving all behind and following Jesus. Jesus was telling him he's going to make disciples of people. Next, Isaiah, one of the Old Testament prophets. You might think, oh, Isaiah, obviously he knows God. He's one of the true greats. But until chapter 6, we don't see quite the same intensity, I don't think, from Isaiah. Someone who knew God, finally, in chapter 6, the revelation of God's majesty comes to him. And he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And with all four of these examples, Abraham, Moses, Isaiah and Peter, God calls them to do what? To go. Go out. Mission, missia from the Latin means to be sent out. That's what God's calling us as his disciples to do, to go Not necessarily across the ocean or halfway around the world, but to go where your sphere of influence is. And I believe God's saying, what is your sphere of influence this morning? For me right now, it's the 35 colleagues I work with in Sexton's Bakery who don't know Jesus and a few of whom are in a very dark place. It's also the mission of working in this community as Colin and my husband and I have just moved to Lim and we're rooted in this place now. What's your workplace like? Do they know Jesus? Do they know you're a Christian? Are you set apart and different from them? That's what I want to be. I want to be different so people say, what's she got? Why is she a bit weird? A bit different from all the rest? How come she doesn't swear and say, oh, my God, all the time? Or oh, Jesus Christ? People have noted that and they stop swearing around me. And I'm not saying that to sound holier than thou. I don't mean it like that. I just mean we need to be different and set apart holy for the kingdom of God so that we point to Jesus all the time. So three things when we are sent out, three things I believe God does. God promises to bless us in order that we will be a blessing to others. God blessed Moses, God blessed Isaiah, Isaiah, Peter, and um, Abraham. He will never pull us in except to push us out into the world. He wants us to be a blessing to other people in this community or the sphere of influence that you're in. Number two, you cannot be a blessing unless you're ready to lose things. Now, what are those things For Abraham, It was the security of where he grew up and knew. Isaiah was laughed at by a generation whose hearts were hardened and wouldn't listen. God knew they wouldn't listen, but he sent him anyway. He did the same with, He did the same with Jonah. Peter eventually did lose his life, as did many of the other disciples. As soon as we step out for God, it does cost us, and it can be our reputation, our time, our finances, and for some people, unfortunately, it's friends and family who disown them but it's worth the cost. Thirdly, God particularly promises when people are willing to put their lives and their money and their time on the line, he will bless them abundantly with his presence when we take risks for God. When did Jesus get that great infusion of the Holy Spirit into his life? A complete assurance that he was loved and accepted by his Father in heaven. The minute he began his public ministry, soon as he was baptised, then he was sent out into the wilderness. And if we know in our heart of hearts that God will never ever forsake us, but loves us unconditionally, and we are wrapped up in his will, Hell could literally break loose, I believe, and you wouldn't even care because we're so rooted in him. And when we attempt great things for God, he will give us huge portions of himself. It's said that actually many of us have never felt his reality up close and personal because we're not willing to take some risks in our lives. What's the risk that God's asking you to take? Me to take? Who are the people he's calling us to, sending us out to proclaim, witness to, in Jesus' name? What's your ministry? The fivefold ministry. Are you using it? To finish... He is waiting to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we know we've got an eternity in heaven with you. But when we reach that destination, we want you to say to us, well done and good good and faithful servant. Along the way, Lord, it can be difficult times. There can be blockages, there can be persecutions, our reputation, our time, our... Uh, money can be on the line sometimes when we take these steps of faith, but you promise us it's worth it, and it is worth it because you 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 were worth it. You stepped out for us. You died for us. You loved us so much that you gave your only son for us. We thank you for that moment of grace, Lord, when you accepted us into your family. Lord, we just want to follow you in every step of our lives our finances, our time, and what our status is in society. In Jesus' name. Amen.